Welcome to the Wellness Hustle Podcast. I'm Kirsty Taylor, your host, a writer, a storyteller, and a wanderer of life. I struggled so much in the past, and it wasn't until I started to focus on myself that I saw true change and really started living my life. This podcast is aimed to help you realize that this whole work hard, play hard mantra bullshit has not been cutting it. We need to focus on what truly matters. Think of this podcast as a tool for finally hustling for yourself. So let's shift our focus from the external to the internal because in the end, you deserve it. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Wellness Hustle. Another week, another episode. Yeah. So what's been going on in my life? Lots of writing, per usual, just lots and lots of writing. I've submitted to several big publications in hopes that they want to publish my article. We shall see. I've also been toying with an idea, playing around with this idea. I follow Heather Haverlasky's, I hope I said that right, to be honest. I'm not sure how you say her last name. I follow her Ask Polly column on New York Magazine's The Cut. I also am currently reading her book, What If This Were Enough? It's a collection of essays. So good. So, so good. It opened a door to this whole aspect of kind of self-help, but I, although I hate that word, this kind of guiding help realm that isn't so nested in spirituality and positivity. She's just very, very, very straightforward. And I love that. Anyways, so I follow her advice column. And I actually recently went to an event this weekend and met a woman named Kim Giles. And she writes an advice column for a website I cannot remember. But I have been playing with the idea of starting a sort of advice column. Although advice column sounds like such an antiquated idea, right? Advice columns seem very sex in the city-esque back in the day when newspapers physically ran rampant in our society. Nowadays, people just kind of check everything on their phones. Advice columns sound so antiquated, but I mean, they're still out there. And I've kind of realized that a lot of the advice columnists tend to be of older age, which fair enough, with age comes wisdom, but I feel like there might be some room for someone that's younger and kind of just figuring out as she goes to try and help other people that are just figuring it out. I don't know. I've had several people out of nowhere just ask me if they could ask me some advice, literally, word for word, and I like that. I love writing about that because I already write in a way that's giving advice to people and when someone comes to me with a specific topic it's usually very specific there's a lot of nuances in the details of their question and that's such brilliant material to go off of that I don't have in my own experience to draw off of and it leaves room for people to feel more understood and connect more with the writing and feel like there's other people out there that are going through the same thing as them. And that's ultimately what I want to do with my writing. So, I don't know, the idea of people writing in, kind of that being the subject of what I write about, and giving advice just seems so perfect for me. Yeah, if you guys want to let me know what you think, please do. And if I do, I'm not sure if I'll put it on Medium, if I'll make it an email type newsletter, I have no email newsletter right now, by the way. So that'd be kind of starting it from the ground up, but maybe I do it on Medium. Maybe I do it through a newsletter. Who knows? Let me know what you guys think. But besides that, yeah, I've been reading Heather Haverleski. Haverleski. Sorry. Sorry, Heather, if you're listening, which I doubt you are. But I've been reading Heather Haverleski's book what if this were enough? And wow, on so many levels. She just tells it like it is. Everything from dating to work to (laughs) her brilliant piece about going to Disney as someone who is very skeptical of the whole idea of this huge theme park that's just a facade for all of us to feel like we're part of something greater to entering Disney and being completely caught up in the facade and the joy and the cheer, to stopping amidst 
a parade and realizing that she was drawn in and fooled by the facade that Disney creates. Anyways, I'm, I'm not doing the book justice. You guys should definitely, should definitely give it a read. It's really good. On this week's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Tyler Jean. He is an aspiring naturopathic doctor who is studying at the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon. His journey into medicine began when he was in college. He was on the swim team and he was on the typical med school path and he fell in love with food and saw the natural healing properties that food innately had. He'll get more into that during the interview, but he's such an amazing dude. The stuff that he's doing with his platform, mostly Instagram, is really great. He uses it to educate people, to make things simple, to kind of declutter the messy world of nutrition that exists nowadays. He makes it really simple to learn, makes it really simple to adopt different eating habits and different lifestyle habits. And yeah, he sees doctors as being teachers and educators rather than someone that just sees you, puts a band-aid over your issue, and sends you out the door. He's very focused on being an educator, being a mentor, helping with preventative care rather than just disease care. And it was a really great talk. I've actually been following him on Instagram for a while and naturopathic medicine holds a dear place to my heart because I've had experience with it since I was basically in high school. I hope you guys like it. You should definitely follow him on Instagram. His feed and everything is on point. So yeah, let's get into this week's episode. Thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm with Tyler, guys. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Kirsty. Of course, of course. And we we're just saying you're up in Portland. Yes. Good Which, old Portland, Oregon. <laughs> right, yeah. No, Portland's actually really cool. Really, really cool. They have that like cool bookstore and great coffee. Yeah, the food scene here is amazing. And being a foodie myself, it's a match made in heaven. <laughs> is there good farm-to-table type of places there? Absolutely. They do have farm-to-table options. And then they have a lot of organic food, vegetarian foods, gluten-free foods. Basically, they have something for everyone. Paleo. Right. Uh, even if you're on like an autoimmune paleo diet or you're low FODMAP, they literally have restaurants for those that with the, that have special needs, which is pretty awesome. Wow. That seriously blows my mind that like things have yeah. progressed that far. That's so awesome. I love it. It is. Very yeah. accommodating. It's a right. huge food scene. Yeah, very cool. Um, So you're in school right now to become a naturopathic doctor. What's the school that you're at? Yes, I'm at the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon. um, And I'm in their naturopathic medicine college. So they have both a naturopathic medical program, but they also have a doctorate in Chinese medicine. And they have a bunch of master's programs from integrative mental health to um, medical research to nutrition and holistic nutrition. So there's a bunch of different things that people could study if they chose to check out uh, in UNM is the abbreviations for it. Oh, very cool. And how long have you been in the program for? I am in year two of four. So it's a four-year medical program. And um, we are about to take our first step or our first round of boards. So Uh, In medical school, you typically have a step one, which you take at the end of your second year. And then our step four is our clinical or step two is our clinical boards, which um, are completed at the end of our fourth year to basically get our license. Um, So this is basically a test to assess our basic biomedical knowledge before getting into the clinic next year as secondary. So real exciting time. And uh, it's hard to believe it's actually already been two years. So Right. So wait, next year you're going to start working um, in clinics? Yeah. So So first two years were basically in anywhere from 25 to 32 credits every quarter. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's brutal. And uh, there are 12 week quarters. We got three quarters in a year. Um, And then, yeah, we take our we have the summer off or really we have summer off, but we're also studying for boards, which (laughs) are the first week of August. Um, And then next year, I would say we're about 60 percent in the classroom, 40 percent in the clinic as secondary. So we shadow the primaries which are fourth year students and they take a primary role in working with patients that come into our clinic and you know this again is naturopathic medicine so people Mm -hmm. are coming in to seek naturopathic options and they do understand that it is a um, student clinic too that they are seeing um, you know student doctors and so it really allows us to kind of hone our skills and to get that clinical experience that when we get off into practice um, we are more 
well-versed and equipped because right now there is no residency program that is required in naturopathic mm-hmm. medicine. Um, but I really believe that that is going to change in the future, depending on where legislation and licensure goes in the next five to 10 years. Right. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, it's hard to really, until you're really in and working with a patient, it's hard to like, I don't know, know what exactly to do. You gain a lot of experience when you're doing it in person. And that's nice that your, your university provides that and everything. So people can just come to the university um, clinic. Yeah, absolutely. So it's open to the public. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Wow. And when, ultimately, when I was deciding on schools to go to, because right now there's uh, seven accredited schools in North America for naturopathic medicine. There's mm-hmm. six campuses. A lot of them are on the West Coast, and two of them are in Canada. There's one in Ontario, and then there's also one in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when ultimately I was making that decision, I wanted to attend a place that, you know, for one, just had a, a busy clinic because... I thought that that was going to be a really important part of my education was actually having that uh, patient contact and mm-hmm. being able to work with patients. So, you know, NUNM, I think, has, has been around for a very long time. So has Bastyr. Um, but ultimately, you know, that made a, made a big part in my decision making of where I wanted to go um, was making sure that I did. You know, it was a, a, a shift or a clinic that was just very busy so that I could get all those patient hours. Yeah, I love that because some people... Some people kind of just want to get it done and over with, but that's beautiful that you're very attuned to wanting to get a good education and good experience. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you, yeah, so how did you get into this field? How did you decide that you wanted to become a naturopathic doctor? Yeah, the million dollar question. Right? (laughs) I didn't know what naturopathic medicine was uh, three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, naturopathic medicine, I would say in a way found me and, um, I would say that my journey with health and wellness in general has been about six to seven years by now. Let's see, six, yeah, I was 20 years old. Um, I'm 26 now, and um, it was my sophomore year of college, and I was an athlete. I swam um, in Division One um, competitively, and um, I started to get hit a plateau, and I started for the first time really considering my diet and how my diet played a fundamental role for not only the fuel for my performance every day, day in and day out, but my ability to recover, which I think is even more important because if you can't recover, you can't come to practice every day with the same intensity. Right. So I really started to kind of open my eyes to this possibility that maybe food is just a really powerful tool that I could tap into to uh, optimize my, my performance or, you know, kind of accelerates my, um, my sport to the next level, so to say. And so I first started reading a book called the China study. Um, and that was, it's a book that really promotes the vegan agenda and an animal free diet, uh, because of a lot of these health impacts that animal product does. And this one really looked at casein protein in particular. Um, but for the first time it really opened my mind that, you know, wow, how much animal protein or animal products should we actually be eating? Is a vegan diet best for everybody? Um, And at the time, I mean, I was just, you know, I was working out so much that I was really more concerned with the caloric aspect and just making sure I was eating enough food rather than the type of foods that I was eating. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so basically at the time, I was probably eating a very processed, heavily processed diet, had a huge sweet tooth, um, ate a lot of sour gummy candy, a lot of processed foods, packaged foods, um, a lot of carbohydrates, which actually matched well with my demand since I was training at least 20 hours a week. But mm-hmm. you know, I was also eating meat at every meal. Um, but slowly but surely, it kind of you know opened up this door for me where I ended up exploring vegetarianism, and then I ended up going vegan for 18 months um, after being vegetarian for six months. And, um, at the beginning I felt amazing on a vegan diet and I was, um, a big fans of Dr. Michael Greger and Dr. Collins, um, or what is it? Dr. Campbell, sorry. And, um, and they really believed everything that they said and the benefits of a plant-based diet. And I would, you know, tell all my friends about it and, you know, at the time too, I started taking this huge interest in food and this food is medicine mentality. And I was on this pre-med route in undergrad and studied cell and molecular biology, but 
I was so discouraged by the lack of attention to diets and lifestyle and kind of like holistic medicine when it came to our allopathic paradigm. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately I was looking at maybe doing a master's in nutrition and then going on to medical school or looking for maybe like a, a osteopathic routes um, to explore. But, um, I also, you know, just feeling very conflicted at the time. But when I did graduate, thought maybe I'd get into research because my degree set me up really well for that. So I actually worked in a, um, a lab for a year and a half, uh, neuroscience lab and studied age related macro generation. Um, and at the same time too worked in clinical research, uh, with type one diabetics. And so, it was through that experiment experience that I ultimately decided that I liked the clinical aspect more than the laboratory research, even though the laboratory research is amazing. Uh, and it's so interesting to kind of like geek out on that level, but it wasn't for me. I needed that patient contact. Right. Uh, so it was during that time too, that I ended up getting invited to be a teaching assistant at my university for a nutrition course. And uh, the teacher was a naturopathic doctor. And again, I had no clue what an ND was at the time. And um, I basically sat down with her and I was like, what is a naturopathic doctor? And I just learned a lot from her over that year when I was the teaching assistant and ultimately was like, wow, it was like that moment in life. Where I was like, I know what I want to do. Yeah, that's so life. amazing. Yeah. And I was just like, it was just this more holistic and integrative perspective that encompassed lifestyle, food as medicine, um, and really, you know, the preventative aspect of medicine and cultivating mm -hmm. health as opposed to focusing on the disease and the disease pathology. So um, after that, I went on the student for a day trips where you can just send in your, your transcript and um, they let you go and visit the schools and sit in for a day and you just get to kind of talk to the students and get the whole experience and see the lay of the land and I did that for all of the schools that I was interested in uh, and then ultimately decided on going to Portland. And that was literally a year after finding out about naturopathic medicine. Wow. That's so amazing. That's so cool how things kind of just work out nicely. Like you met that teacher and it kind of opened your eyes to it all. So what is the difference between where does naturopath, a naturopathic doctor come in in terms of how is it different than a nutritionist or a regular doctor? Yeah, great question. Um, so a naturopathic doctor, I like to say, typically has a larger toolkit uh, to really help their patients. So naturopathic doctors, not only uh, do they study the basic biomedical sciences and have to know, you know, basic pharmacology, uh, I mean, and advanced pharmacology as well, depending on scope of practice and which state you like that you practice in. And again, mm -hmm. each state has their own licensure. So that's going to dictate um, what that physician can do. Mm -hmm. Um, so like places like Oregon and Arizona, so I'm in or Oregon and then Arizona, they have very, um, they have a very large scope of practice based on the laws. But if you're in somewhere like California, um, you have less, I mean, you have more rules to follow basically. Right. Um, so, you know, a state by state case, but so naturopathic doctors, not only do we learn biomedical sciences and I would say allopathic medicine in general learning about all the pathology and learning how the body works. But you also, we learned what we call these therapeutic modalities. And so this is stuff like clinical nutrition, homeopathy, hydrotherapy, pharmacology, um, physical medicine, um, and then also herbal and botanical medicine as well. So we really have all these tools in our toolkit to pull from. So when we have a patient sitting in front of us, we can really cater to the individual and we can give them options. And one of the principles in naturopathic medicine, I mean, first is do no harm, but also the aspect of prevention and treat the whole person. Mm -hmm. And that the doctor really has the ability to educate their patients and empower them to really lead a healthier lifestyle. There's right. this aspect of doctor as teacher. And that's what doctor means from the Latin word docere. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is one of the principles that I definitely resonate the most with is the education aspect. So it's really removing this power dynamic in medicine where the doctor knows all, at least in the conventional model, and really putting some of that power back in the patient's hand and letting the patient, you know, and advocating for that patient and listening to their needs. Um, because I think that is how we are going to really make a dent in this chronic disease epidemic that we currently face. Right. 
Oh my God, I have so many questions out of from just <laughs> being said. That was great. So you say doctor is teacher. I know that a lot of people get very frustrated when they go to the doctor because the doctor sees them maybe for like five minutes or t- 10 minutes tops and it's quick in and out. They have numbers to hit. Do you find that different with what you've experienced so far in the naturopathic world? Yeah. So, I mean, that's true. I mean, that's the average medical appointment is 12 minutes or 15 minutes when you mm-hmm. go and see your your PCP, that's an MDDO. Um, and a lot of that too is overrun by insurance. And there's like a certain number of patients you have to see every day. Um, but with naturopathic medicine, like if you're going in for an initial intake, you can expect your visit for it to be anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to, they're going to take a thorough history of every aspect of what we would think is health because health is more than just what we eat or how much we're sleeping uh, or all the kale that we're eating. You know, it's really this dynamic state and it's about the communion and the community that you surround yourself with. It's the way you think, it's the way you eat, it's the way that you get up every day with this passion uh, and feeling like you're connected with this larger sense of purpose and passion Mm -hmm. to helping other people or whatever that may be for the person. So we really look at, you know, the social history. We look at diet, we look at lifestyle, exercise, Um, We look at, you know, family history and past family history and any like emotional traumas and Mm -hmm. how was your childhood? We look at, you know, any past um, medical history and could be impacting what that patient is presenting with that day. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we're really kind of just getting a thorough intake and really asking all these questions so that we can better help that individual because we realize in naturopathic medicine that the body and all its complexity is interconnected. And so we have all these specialties, these ologies like endocrinology, neurology, gastroenterology, uh, you name it, you know, that you're these specialists in their field and don't get me wrong. It's great to have them, but a lot of these specialists too, they belittle the fact that the body is interconnected and they kind of just separate health into these categories and compartments. And not really looking at like, oh, you have a mental illness. Well, why are we not, why are we only focusing on the brain and why aren't we actually looking at the gut and all these other organs because it's all interconnected and they all influence each other. And so that's the thing with natural medicine is you're going to get, you know, I feel like a lot of people, what I have heard is it's, they finally feel heard and listened to Yeah. because we, I feel like as naturopathic doctors, since we aren't rushed and we are able to, you know, take more time with our patients that we're able to create that space Mm -hmm. for that patient. And for a lot of people, just holding that space can be absolutely transformational for them. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, They're not feeling rushed and they're, they feel like they have the time to be able to open up and feel comfortable. Yeah, they feel heard and that yeah. what they have to say and what they're going through, first of all, is real because mm-hmm. there's a lot of times too that you'll go in and see your PCP, you run your blood work and your blood work is fine and it's like, you're fine. You know, right. there's nothing on our lab work that says that's out of normal range, that's high or low, you're fine. And it's kind of just a dismissive way of saying nothing is wrong with you. It's just in your head and you're just being over dramatic. And so I think for so many people, why they um, are, have gotten so much success from naturopathic medicine is because, one, they're finally being heard to. And naturopathic doctors, too, you know, we will advocate for our patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think it's a very powerful form of medicine. But don't get me wrong, like, naturopathic medicine isn't going to save the world. I think naturopathic medicine, though, does play a very integrative approach to our medical paradigm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's a time and place for your specialists, for, you know, medical doctors, for pharma, you know, pharmacology, uh, you know, if you, there's a life-saving situation, traumas, you know, you got to use your resources and who you have available for what is going on at that time. And so, right. you know, I don't think it's, you know, going to, you know, it's the best for everything, but I think there's a lot that we can offer as naturopathic doctors, when it comes to chronic disease, that over 60% of the population is dealing with. Right. So what do you see an ideal world looking like? Um, is it that naturopathic doctors would kind of their practices would integrate with regular medical doctors, or they would work together? Yeah, um, I really believe that there's a lot of ego in medicine. And so taking the ego out of medicine, I think is the future that I really hope to see. And 
working from this collaborative approach and integrative approach where, you know, every doctor, when they swear in, they do the oath that they will, you know, you know, I will do no harm. You know, everybody wants to help their patient. They want to help people. That's why most people get into medicine. Right. And so everybody wants to do what's best for their patient. But I know that for a lot of medical doctors, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but a lot of people feel overwhelmed. They don't feel yeah. like the medical curriculum that they um, underwent did not give them the, the tools that they needed to actually be a good doctor. Mm-hmm. I had a physician that reached out to me this past week and um, through, through uh, email, and she just said, you know, I'm a physician and you know, I went to UC uh, San Francisco, which is one of the best medical schools in the world. They did their residency at Stanford mm-hmm. and um, they're in pediatrics. And she just said, if I could do it all over again, I would go into naturopathic medicine because never in my life have I felt like this medical paradigm that I invested all this time and money in has failed me in my ability to help my patients, my children that I'm seeing on a daily basis to thrive. And I thought that was just so powerful to hear that. And, um, you know, these are some of the top institutions uh, in the world, Stanford, Mm -hmm. CSF, and still, you know, somebody, you know, all these doctors that are very brilliant, they just, they they feel it falling short. Yeah. So, um, and so it's just, that's the part where I feel like it's taking the ego out of medicine, staying open-minded, staying humble too. Um, but really, um, you know, allowing your patients to, you know, dictate some of the way that, 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 um, intake goes, because I think a lot of times too, we let, um, doctors and physicians tell us that they know what's best for us. And really, you know, we're living in our own bodies and we're the mm-hmm. ones that have to deal with it day to day. As uh, so I think there's some merit to that, that we actually are living with it and we actually know ourselves best. So right. when we're going to see a doctor and they're only doing a 15 minute visit, how do they know what's best for us per se? Interesting. You know? so yeah, that's so there's interesting. A lot. There's so a lot then, to- yeah. So then since naturopathic is so new, I mean, I've never heard it being covered by like insurance or anything. Do you have any suggestions for how someone could approach seeing a naturopathic doctor? I mean, maybe you don't, I don't know. I just know that for the most part, it's not usually covered by insurance. Maybe it is. Um, do you have any suggestions of how someone could see a naturopathic doctor, how they could integrate it into a budget? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so that's one thing, too, is the accessibility to naturopathic medicine. Granted, mm-hmm. it's only licensed in 23 states right now. So oh, not really? all 50 states even recognize naturopathic doctors as primary oh, wow. care physicians. So, you know, that's going to make naturopathic doctors less accessible in certain ways, depending on where you live. Um, And a lot of places where it is licensed is on the West Coast and some of the Eastern places. But the place you're not going to find are places like the Middle West as much or or the Midwest or like uh, the Southeast, um, where some of these people could really, really use naturopathic medicine. Um, but you know, there are people that are practicing in unlicensed state and typically it's, you know, they are an acupuncturist or they study Chinese medicine or they're clinical nutritionist as well. And they are use their training, but they're billing under a different, uh, practice that they, that they're doing. So, um, in terms of tips, so it depends again on the state. So like in the state of Oregon, um, naturopathic medicine is covered, um, like Medicaid offers um, users to go and see a naturopathic doctor, mm-hmm. uh, which is really unique. It's tier four insurance coverage. Um, but in each state it's different. And a lot of naturopathic doctors, I would say don't go into primary care and they also open their own private practice. Mm-hmm. So in this instance, the, it's all cash based. And I think for some naturopathic doctors, it's because they don't want to go through in, the insurance model. Mm-hmm. And for other ones, too, is like we put so much time and money into our education. Um, like we're investing $220,000 for a four-year education for naturopathic yeah. medical school. And so, you know, if you, got, you got to think about loans. It's a very real thing that, you know, every medical student goes through. And so by doing cash-based practice, it's a way to start making money back quicker. But also keeping in mind not to make this like, 
an elitist approach because some people will see naturopathic medicine as having to shell out $400 or $500 or $1,000 just to see somebody. And I don't think that's the right either. We got to make it accessible and affordable to people. Right. Uh, but I also think there's so much that we can offer too. And that's why I went to social media and I do a lot of that education on social media. That's actually a really great point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you put yeah. I, you and a couple of other people that I follow put out so much information. Yeah. Uh, it might not be like specifically tailored, but at the same time, it's it's everything you're learning. You, it's, it seems like everything you're learning, you're putting out there, and that's so valuable to people, especially people that don't have access. There, exactly, and then you're able to even reach your message is able to to reach beyond the borders of just the United States too, and you're able to reach people. <laughs> all around the world, which is just so incredible to connect with these people where they would not have those type of resources or those type of physicians in that area. So, and it's, and like I was saying that naturopathic doctors, I think what they do best is educating on health and how to cultivate health Yeah. what determines health. And so for many people, that is a great platform such as social media to educate people on what are these determinants for health. Um, because if you have somebody coming in and they have all these, you know, several chief complaints and, um, they, you know, you come in for an hour appointment and even that hour isn't enough time, Mm -hmm. you know, you could try to tell them to start eating a healthier diet and to exercise and, and to, um, you know, go to bed earlier and like try to tell them all these things and it can be so overwhelming when you first come in. But by putting some of this information out in just bite-sized information every single day, Right. It makes things less daunting mm-hmm. and you're able to kind of, like I said, put more of that power into that patient's hand and kind of give them that knowledge so that they can then make the decision on what do they want to implement. Maybe it's not everything, but maybe they took something away from what you said. And mm-hmm. maybe that was like, I'm going to just add more vegetables to my plate because usually I don't eat a lot of vegetables and I love my meat. And um, so just, you know, I'm going to add another cup of vegetables and that's a win. Any kind of change because when it comes to diet and lifestyle, those are really hard things to change. Oh yeah. They're habits and it's mm-hmm. really hard to change habits. And so if we can start putting that message out there before we even start seeing people in the clinic, um, I think it just motivates our audience and these people that are really interested in naturopathic medicine that they can do a lot of self healing by just giving the body what it needs. That's such a good point. And it goes into the fact that you just said, or you said earlier that it's about preventative medicine. So, you know, you see a doctor for an issue you already have, but they don't teach you how to stay or be healthy in general. And the messages and all the things that you post on social media can help just someone that maybe doesn't have some type of really bad illness, but just wants to live a healthier life. And then if that person adapt or adopts it, and then their friends do like it's a slow thing but it's it gets more into the preventative aspect rather than just being really sick and trying to find a solution you know absolutely and when when you get to that really sick solution i mean some people you know they will completely change their lifestyle they'll change everything they'll do whatever and then there's other people too it's just like i just want the pill and so you know that's where it's important too to meet the patient with where they're at and so Mm -hmm. i think you know that there's not this, I think that's what I also love about naturopathic medicine. It's meeting the patient where they're at. So, you know, you got to, you can educate your patient on certain things, but ultimately it's their decision, but they should have all that information to make an informed decision. And I think there's, Mm. we've really lost this important aspect of informed consent in medicine where the patient knows all the pros and cons of both sides, whether that be from pharmaceutical drugs, from herbs, from diet, from vaccinations, whatever it may be, they know how this could affect them. And then they ultimately have that decision of what they want to do to their body. Right. There's a lot of power in education. They yeah. they have, because a lot of people just don't have the knowledge. That kind of plays back into like accessibility. Um, so the statistics for like minority and poor people in terms of education for food and education for health it's just they have so much less access to that and platforms like social media make it more accessible absolutely and i think it's by equipping people with this knowledge that we're going to eventually be able to drive change because when people are educated they're going to spend their money more Mm -hmm. wisely and so you vote with your dollar in a way And so it's by having that knowledge 
that then you can decide what's best for you. And I think that's ultimately what I hope to do with my platform is give people this knowledge and I try to present it in an unbiased way and give all these options, but also that knowledge to know that like for some people it's going to work well for, but for other people it may not work well. Mm-hmm. It's that whole, you know, cause everyone's trying to look for that silver bullet, that quick fix. And it's just, that's not the case. Right. So with other doctors you've worked with, what do you find are the biggest reasons that people are coming into the clinics? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm sure it's like a lot of different things, but is there something that's overarching? Yeah, I would say most people that come in, um, they've heard that naturopathic doctors are more holistic. And so really it's like, I want to be treated more holistically. I would say that's the the major reason. Mm -hmm. Or maybe somebody is going through chemotherapy or maybe they have some uh, big diagnosis and they want a naturopathic doctor as uh, adjunct care to for their care team while they're going through chemo or they're going through these things and how they can, you know, clean up their diet or how they can take certain supplements to kind of help remove some of these toxins from their body that have accumulated, whether it be from the drugs that they're taking or just a lot of people too typically have this total toxic burden where they're harboring onto a lot of toxins and, Mm -hmm. um, that's that they need to actually excrete. And so we really focus on opening up the amunctories, which are our organs of excretion. Um, and so many things that we learn, whether that be from hydrotherapy to homeopathy to uh, nutrition or herbal botanical medicine, focus on elimination and clearing these toxic metabolites out of the system so that the body isn't so run down. Um, mm-hmm. It can actually function on a optimal level. Okay. Very cool. Very interesting. So if someone wanted to, (laughs) I don't want to like try to put naturopathic medicine into three tips, but if someone were to listen to this podcast and take away maybe a tip or two of what they could start doing today to just feel a little bit better, just start living a healthier life, what's something personally that you would really recommend? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Because a lot of people too, they get overwhelmed by the health and wellness scene and Mm -hmm. clean living or clean eating. And so I try to keep my rules very simple. Um, I would say the first one is get back to eating real whole food. So unadulterated food, food that comes from the earth, whether that be, you know, like meats or eggs or fish or plant matter, fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, just get back to eating food that our great grandparents would recognize right not yeah. this, this food that is hyper palatable and processed and filled with sugar and food additives that is found in a box or bag um because i think that when you eat real food um that's that's the easiest and best thing you can do and i do think that is as a human species we should be eating a good amount of plant matter so having it plant-centric, that whether that is mm-hmm. plant-exclusive or not is up to the person. Um, but I really believe that, you know, when the body is in balance, there is no disease. And so it's really finding this equilibrium. And um, so I would start with food uh, mm-hmm. because we have the most control of food. Um, two, I really like to encourage people to, we all know that exercising is important, but I like to emphasize the aspect of moving our body, moving our body yeah. daily. As opposed to thinking that we need to do a HIIT workout or we need to do a boot camp or we need to do CrossFit and totally just destroy our body to get the benefits of exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that be yoga, Pilates, just walking outside and getting some fresh air and vitamin D from the sun, you know, I think that all is a great place to start, especially if you don't have time for working out or you haven't even worked out before. So instead of trying to start with a trainer, just start walking outside 15 yeah. minutes after dinner every night or taking a 15-minute break on lunch to go for a walk. So I think people underestimate walking. We sit at a desk all day nowadays or we drive and we do this and people just underestimate how good it is for our bodies to just walk and get out there. The sun, yeah. the fresh air, the way we move our bodies when we walk, we just don't do it as much nowadays. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. It's under, yeah. yeah, we don't think it, we don't think of it as exercise. Um, I, I started walking to the beach in the mornings and I told someone I'm like, yeah, that was kind of my exercise for the day. And they're like, that's not exercise. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm going to do me. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, I think the the third one would be to, is just not to um, undermine the importance of uh, stress management. And I, I don't really like to say management. I would say it's 
our ability to adapt to stress because we're all exposed to stress. And so it's our ability to adapt to that stress so that we're not so symptomatic and alarmed and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I think that reconnecting with nature is an amazing way to help dampen that sympathetic fight or flight response and to kind of just ease and cut some of that tension away. Um, and I, I mean, there's a bunch of things we can do at this day and age, but I, you know, in a day and age that it, it glorifies, you know, the hustle and the grind and, you know, yeah. I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of mentality. Right. Um, you know, you need to take time for you, um, because your body can only be pushed so long for in a certain direction until it starts to break down. And, yeah. um, you know, it's starting to, I think, to reconnect with your body and really listening to it and um, giving it some rest because we do demand a lot of our bodies. Yeah, exactly. I love those tips. Food, stress management, and movement. I love those. Easy enough. Easy enough. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, that's, that's something everyone could do today. <laughs> Very Absolutely. Cool. I'm so. so curious. How did it feel going down the typical uh, medical track and getting into the naturopathic scene, how was your family's response? How was other people's response? Was it scary? Ah, great question. I don't see it as being scary. For (laughs) me, it was really exciting. It was like, you know, some of these startup companies and, you know, they're um, private and they're just building a lot of momentum and momentum and they're growing. And then all of a sudden it's like they go public and They've just grown so much. And I felt like I was getting into something that had this momentum and was growing and was moving. And I, at the time, you know, I saw conventional medicine as stagnant. I knew there was a lot of advancements in research, but a lot of the standards of care were the same and they'd been the same for the last 20, 30 years. And uh, it takes a long time too, like 15 to 20 years to actually make some of these changes we're seeing in research for it to actually reflect in those medical textbooks. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I wanted to be a part of something that was growing and was exciting and new. Um, Yes, my parents were not as supportive about it at first uh, because they just wanted what's best for me. And they wanted me to be in a, um, they wanted me to be in a career that was successful. Right. But um, you know, I really believe that if you're really passionate about something, you'll find a way to make it work for you. And again, if you're passionate about something as well and you love what you do, you will find a way to make it profitable for you. So mm-hmm. I believe that in naturopathic medicine, um, cause a lot of people wonder like, well, how's the pay? And typically there's a large pay discrepancy between a medical doctor and a naturopathic doctor. If you're just working in a primary care clinic, mm-hmm. but I think to do well in the naturopathic space, at least money wise, you do have to be more of a creative and more of that entrepreneurial mindset. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely more challenging in that regard, but I like the challenge personally. Yeah. Uh, but like now that my parents have seen what I have done with my my social media platform and just where I'm at today, they're so supportive and excited for me. Um, but sure, there was that uncertainty at first because it wasn't something that was well established and it was new and they didn't know enough about. So um, I think after two, they started to go see a naturopathic doctor and got the, got a lot of benefits and they got to see like, wow, this medicine does really work, especially if, yeah. after not getting answers for 20 years by seeing their uh, PCP. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a great way to get them on board for them, yeah. to, for them to see the results themselves. That's awesome. Absolutely. And I'm really excited just to see where naturopathic medicine goes in the next 5, 10, 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's so much room for growth because it's so new. You're right. Well, very cool. How would someone find a naturopathic doctor if they have one in their area? Yeah, so a great resource is naturopathic.org. And so there they will be able to, there's like a search finder where you can type in your zip code and it will tell you um, licensed naturopathic physicians in your area based on the zip code. So I would say that would be a great resource and a place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the uh, AANMC, which I always butcher this, I think it's the American Association of Naturopathic Medical Colleges. Uh um, They have a lot of resources too on what states are licensed and the scope of licensure um, you can, it will take you to each state and like what NDs can and can't do depending on the oh, scope cool. of practice. Um, and you can also just learn a lot more about naturopathic medicine and what it entails, um, for those that are interested to learn. On more. that website? 
Yeah. Oh, very So cool. yeah, the AANMC and then naturopathic.org. Okay, awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so I have three questions that I ask everyone that comes onto my podcast. I'm going to get into those. The first one, you kind of already mentioned a book, The China Study, mm-hmm. but um, is there any other book that really shaped the way, and it doesn't even have to be naturopathic medicine related, but is there yeah. any book that shaped the way that you think and live life now? Yeah. Um, and I would say that, yeah, the China study is r- really what shifted my career direction and really mm-hmm. emphasizing food and is like, I guess, catalyzed this path that I've been on for the last six years. Like with, without reading that, I don't know where I'd be exactly. Right. But in terms of a book that has really um, stood out to me, that has really influenced this more integrative and holistic approach uh, is probably The Rain Barrel Effect by Dr. Stephen Cabral, who is a uh, functional medicine, naturopathic, and Ayurvedic practitioner. Um, and he practices in Boston, Massachusetts. And mm-hmm. he really just does an amazing job of breaking down the body. Uh, well, it's already so complex into this very simple, these simple macros and just understanding that a body, I think the overall message of the book is that a body that is imbalanced cannot fully heal. Mm-hmm. And that um, disease is a manifestation of imbalances in the body. And so what yeah. he really does in this book is he talks about where are all these imbalances come coming from and what are these disturbing factors that are disrupting normal biochemical and physiological function to where the body is off balance and not functioning properly. So he just talks about all these things and just by reading this book, it just opened my eyes to like, wow, really the body has this built-in capacity to self-heal if we just Mm -hmm. simply give it what it needs and remove anything that is holding it back. Right, very cool. And so is rain rain barrel effect, you said? The rain barrel effect, yes. Very cool, okay, awesome. Um, and what what advice would you give your younger self? Um, for I would say the advice I'd give my younger self is to stay open minded to the possibilities, and I think too mm-hmm. that to really get into the space of teaching others and helping others, you too have to be healthy first so, you know you can't be yeah. ill and try to help other people so, you, know, you gotta take care of you first mm-hmm. so I think it's you know making sure to take care of you because I think a lot of times too we can just give 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 to other people but take care of you first so that then you can serve other people and I really believe that at the core of everybody's purpose is they want to serve other people in some way right and so um for me yeah I would just say that to stay open-minded um mm-hmm. so that not only can I stay healthy, but that I can serve every person that I encounter in the best way I possibly can. Yeah. Do you feel like that kind of played out once you changed your diet and started focusing on yourself? You were able to help people and be there, show up for people better? Yeah. Well, because I think, too, when I was vegan and vegetarian, I thought a vegan diet was best for everybody. And, it, you know, it's a lot of the things on my page, too, is I tried to to speak up on the importance of ditching these dogmatic diets and sure they work well for some but they're not going to work best for everybody and I really believe a balanced approach to nutrition is best for everybody Mm -hmm. um, in general and so yeah it wasn't until I like opened my eyes and started actually listening to what other people had to say and kind of being able to you know create this informed decision for myself in a way to figure out what is best for me because I was basically you know, just listening to everything that every person that was, um, you know, speaking about a vegan agenda had to say. And I was saying, oh, they know what's best for me. And that has to be best for everybody. But mm. like I was saying earlier, that, you know, we really know more than anybody else about ourselves. About so, ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, sorry, keep going. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just that beginning, that, that aspect of just opening my mind and listening to other things and finding that you know, a balanced approach is is really the best approach. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And then the whole idea of the Wellness Hustle podcast is that kind of like what you said earlier, shift the focus of the hustle from being money, success, fame, sleep when you're dead into ourselves and really putting that energy into what really lights our soul on fire in terms of careers and passions and our health and all of that. So what is it that you would say you hustle for? I hustle to 
show up for others and mm -hmm. be there for others. Um, I think as a practitioner, my ultimate goal is I want to, I want to show up. I want to be there. I want to be able to advocate for my patients and I want to have as much knowledge as I possibly can to help my patients with whatever, whatever situation they're in. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think many times, you know, school can be daunting, all these different things that I feel like I am hustling and trying to do and accomplish. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it can just, it can take a toll on you, but just remembering my why and that, you know, I really truly want to help other people and serve other people by showing up for them right. and giving them that knowledge that I think that every person I feel like deserves. Like it shouldn't be a privilege to have this knowledge and that we should withhold this knowledge from people. Um, and so I really believe that for me that it's that aspect of, of showing up for other people daily regardless of the circumstances. Beautiful. I love that. That's so amazing. And I'm sure so many people appreciate how much you show up on social media, in person, all of that. Thank you, Kirsten. Of course. Um, do you want to give people some information of how they can follow you or what your Instagram handle is? Yeah. So people can connect with me. I'm typically on uh, Instagram the most. And my handle is functional.foods. Um, you can also check out my website, eatfunctionalfoods.org. And you can join my mailing list. Um, I'm have been doing monthly newsletters, but I'm uh, probably going to ramp that up a little bit more. Nice. But um, yeah, and then I'm also on Facebook at Eat Functional Foods as well. Okay, very cool. And yeah, check out his Instagram. You have some great graphics of like what vitamins, minerals are in foods, and cool little recipes that are simple, which is so key and important. Yes, you're, simplicity. Yeah, you're you're we're rocking the Instagram game. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kirsty. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Hustle podcast. If you want to, you can follow along with me on Instagram. My handle is at wanderwithkirsty, W-A-N-D-E-R with K-I-R-S-T-I-E. Shoot me a DM. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. Let me know what you want to hear. It's better than just you listening to my voice all the time. I do want to actually get to know and talk with you guys. Also, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please, please leave me a review. I want to hear what you think, and it really helps other people that want to find my podcast be able to search for it. So, until next week, guys, remember, keep choosing yourself, keep hustling for yourself, because in the end, you really do deserve it.